0: The devil, as they say, is always in the details. On the one hand, ASU's 2-0 record during its easiest part of the schedule was fully expected. Yet, an offense, youthful and all, scraping in a major way to put points on the board versus the weakest defenses it will face all year long? That certainly was an early and unpleasant surprise in this 2019 season. So what do we learn about the Sun Devils thus far, and what will it mean ahead of its first road contest of the year? which will be one of just a few challenging games ahead this month. Will these early warning signs ultimately turn into season-long shortcomings? We will discuss these topics and much more in this week's episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast.
1: I was living in a devil town.
0: I didn't
1: know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.
0: Welcome to the Devils Junkies podcast. I'm your host and DevilsDigest.com publisher, Hodor Bino. And here we are after two weeks of ASU football in this young 2019 season. And it seems like for the entire offseason, we talked about how young this Arizona State offense is going to be, especially with true freshman quarterback Jaden Daniels being at the helm. And we found out at least as far as the media and fans on the day of the season opener that Arizona state would also have a true freshman at center with uh, Donovan West replacing the injured senior Kate Cote. So maybe in that regard, we shouldn't be too surprised that this side of the ball for Arizona state has struggled and struggled quite a bit. The first two games, you look at the stats and Arizona State averages 131 yards on the ground after two contests. Not a horrible number, but again, when you look at the caliber of opponents that had played in Kent State and Sacramento State, you certainly were expecting somewhat better numbers. When it comes to Jaden Daniels himself, he is the only quarterback that attempted a pass thus far after two weeks. And he's averaging a respectable 294 yards per game, no interceptions, completion rate of 62.75. But nonetheless, this is definitely not an ASU offense that is even close to clicking on all cylinders. And when you talk about games against the caliber of opponents they've played so far, these are supposed to be the tune-up games. These are supposed to be the games that make you feel good about yourself. And sure, it could be fool's gold based on the opponents that you're playing, but nonetheless, I think it's a proposition that a lot of Power 5 teams this time of year will gladly accept and just have these games showcase the strengths of its team. And if it's going to reveal any shortcomings to really have those issues to be very minor and definitely correctable in a very evident way from week one to week two. We also talk about these games being the no-win games, where nobody would be throwing a parade for you if you're going to beat a Kent State or any team of that caliber by 30, 40 points. But on the other hand, if your margin of victory is going to be much smaller than that, if you are be hard-pressed to put points on the board at a high rate, as one would expect, that's when these games can serve as warning signs and in arizona state's case the first contest against kent state a 30 to 7 victory definitely had some red flags and definitely revealed some very uncomfortable truths if you will about this arizona state offense but here comes week two and all the coaches to a t at arizona state talked about the improvement that you usually see from week one to week two. But much to the chagrin of Arizona State coaches and fans alike, the number of first downs was fewer in week two compared to week one. Net rushing yards, Arizona State went from 171 yards in the season opener to only 91 versus Sacramento State last week. Total offensive yards, the number went down from 455 to 395. So, in all the major offensive categories, the numbers were certainly trending down for the Sun Devils, and the question right now is, why does that happen, and what can be done to fix it? Because, again, and you can't stress this stress this point enough, the level of competition is only going to get tougher. And I'm not even just talking about the Michigan State contest on the road at East Lansing, which will talk a little more in-depth later on in the podcast, but you're coming back after that game, home to Tempe to face a Colorado team that beat a ranked Nebraska team at home in overtime. The week following that, you're going on the road to Berkeley to face a Cal team that just this past Saturday went on the road to Seattle and beat Washington, a program that some think is still the best in the Pac-12. So you're obviously not... Coming out of these two gimme games, tune up contest, however you want to phrase it, with much confidence on your side. Now, granted, Jenny Daniels at that time looked like a freshman quarterback. There were some throws that were errant ones. There were some poor decision makings here and there. And yes, there were some wide receivers that dropped perfectly thrown passes. Nonetheless, I don't think there's any argument. In anybody's mind, and granted, coaches and players are not going to come out and say this publicly, that the root of all problems with Arizona State right now is their offensive line, and having a true freshman center and in, in Donovan West doesn't really help. And even somebody like West, in some regards, did take a step back from week one to week two with some errant snaps that he had during the game, but. It definitely would be unfair to pin everything on West, even though he plays, some would say, the most important position on the entire offensive line. Because the entire ASU front five that still has three seniors and left tackle Cole Cabral, left guard Alex Lasoya, and right tackle Steve Miller, still have not played up to their full potential and full capabilities and really have not projected the calmness, if you will, That would help settle down West and redshirt freshman Jared Bell, who's starting at right guard. And when you have an offensive line that looks disjointed, that is really hard-pressed to get into any kind of rhythm, whether it's pass blocking or run blocking, that just creates such a negative ripple effect on the entire offense And it doesn't matter that you have one of the best running backs in the country, Nino Benjamin, at your disposal, because if the running lanes are not there or close as quickly as they open, that puts so much more pressure on Jen Daniels. And again, to Daniel's credit, even though he's not receiving great pass protection by any means, even though he's not receiving the level of run support he expected to receive when the season began, he's really doing well under the circumstances. And while not playing perfect, and I'm not expecting a true freshman quarterback to be flawless after two weeks gone in the season, he is really doing all all he can to lead this offense and have it to be as effective and as productive as he can. But without receiving that help from the defensive line, it really is a losing battle. And week one and week two has manifested that in a very painful and evident way for Arizona State. If there was any benefit of having a Friday night game was the fact that the Arizona State coaching staff was able to spend long hours both on Saturday and Sunday trying to figure out how to fix this ASU offense. Herm Edwards in his Monday press conference talked about an offense that's searching for its identity. A coaching staff that needs to do a better job with its schemes and putting their players in the best position possible to be successful. And I know that begs the question, why haven't these matters already been addressed in the preseason and were ready to go to be implemented in the most effective way starting in week one? Well, sometimes the best plans ending up just blowing up in your face when they need to translate from the practice field to game day. And I think that's what has happened with Arizona State in these first two games. So as much as you hate to go back to the drawing board, if you will, when you're only in week three of the season, that's exactly what Arizona State needs to do right now. And it's going to be hard trying to implement their conclusions, if you will, against a very formidable Michigan State defense. So I'm really curious to see what changes Arizona State has implemented for their game this weekend, and ultimately, how effective are those changes? And maybe having such a challenging defense in the Spartans is not a fair yardstick to measure any kind of modifications you made to the offense. Maybe it's better, or I should say fairer, to measure those changes when you play teams such as Colorado and Cal later on in September. Still anything but a walk-in-the-park contest for the Sun Devils, but probably a defense that is not at the level of a Michigan State and maybe providing a truer assessment of where you're at right now as an offense. Arizona State's best offensive lineman, left tackle Cole Cabral, said that when he looks at the game film, it seems like the offensive line was just one guy away from being effective. So he feels like the line is making progress and it just takes time for everyone to feel comfortable with each other because at the end of the day, if it is being one guy away, in other words, one guy making a mistake on the line, that creates the domino effect that can at best have an offensive line not be effective in its assignment whether it's pass blocking or a ru- run blocking and that obviously hinders the offense time and time again both cabral and position coach dave christensen are pleased with the younger guys and the rate of development and they just think that as they gain more and more experience you'll see better play from the offensive line and as we know That's one position on the team where it does take quite a while for younger players to develop. And to put it in the most brutal, honest way, you have players such as West and Bell just learning on the job each and every game that Arizona State is playing right now. And that's just a vicious learning curve that they're going through. And with this offensive line, far from being cohesive, far from having the level of chemistry you want it to have, that is something that's going to hinder the offense time and time again. And it's really anybody's guess if they can figure it out this week against an absolute monster defensive line for the Spartans, a run defense that has yielded, and they should probably put yielded in huge quotation marks, minus six rushing yards after two games. So I don't know if a game against Colorado and or Cal later on this month can really show the true progress of this offensive line or maybe it would be more of the same and the struggles that we saw against Kent State and Sacramento State from the front five just are wash, rinse, repeat later on this month when they start Pac-12 play. So lots of unknowns when it comes to Arizona State offensive line, but one thing we do know for sure that when this unit can play at an adequate level. Only then we will see the best that this Arizona state offense has to offer. Herm Edwards today in his press conference, when he was asked about how to fix this offensive line and how do you address the mental aspect of it, which is just as important as just the X's and O's, the techniques and the mechanics that obviously need to be refined by this group, Herm Edwards said that he liked he likes to think that his even-keeled demeanor is not going to cause anybody on the team to panic, and I know that might be in sharp contrast to some of the fans, not only on my board, but probably at large over there at the Sun Devil Nation, that are extremely displeased with what they're seeing from the offense and maybe more particularly with the offensive line, but... Nonetheless, Herm Edwards feels that if they can just be very meticulous, calm, cool, and collected on their approach of fixing all the ills that right now plug this offensive line, which obviously propagate to the entire offense, that they should be able to effectively and productively address all the issues that right now lie and are looming large for the Sun Devils. So, again, it'll be really interesting to see if this is going to be the bounce-back week for this offensive line and the ASU offense as a whole, or do we need to wait uh, later on this month to really witness the fruits of uh, the hard labor that the coaches and players are putting in as we speak to fix a major issue. So, now that we get the bad news out of the way, let's talk about some other positions on this team that have performed as expected, if not emerged as pleasant surprises so far in the 2019 season. Saw performance in 2018 there were definitely high expectations for this Arizona State defense that was returning a lot of proven players and contributors from 2018 especially at the linebacker and defensive back units and needless to say that when you're giving up seven points per contest and are leading the Pac-12 conference and a few defensive categories there's really little to complain about what you're seeing from this side of the ball for the Sun Devils. And I know some people chuckle at the comments that defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez makes after every game, how disappointed he is that the defense gave up a touchdown late in the game in each of the first two weeks. But I think that when you look at a defense that is only – three, four years removed from being the worst passing defense among FBS schools, there's nothing wrong, at least in my opinion, having a very high standard and being disappointed that you gave up only seven points. And if we're being honest about it, the way this offense is playing, giving up even just seven points might be making some games way too close for comfort for Arizona State just because you have an offense right now that is anything but lining up a scoreboard every week. So the defense's margin of error is seemingly getting smaller and smaller every week. And interesting to see if that proposition does change as the season progresses. But right now, uh, it's really in my opinion, impossible not to be pleased with the Arizona State defense. And again, I think it's a group that definitely had a lot of expectations coming into 2019, and I don't think you can truly say that it is not living up to its expectations. Now, sure, I know the skeptical fans out there will say that in each of the first two games, the Arizona State defense was the beneficiary of some bad throws by opposing quarterbacks, some head-scratching drops by opposing wide receivers, but those are aspects that the Arizona State offense has also been on the short end of the stick, if you will. So having a quarterback that's going to miss wide open wide receivers or wide receivers dropping balls when it's right in their bread basket, so to speak, that's going to happen every game against every opponent. And it's going to happen to both opponents on each side of the ball. So I don't know if that's something that one should hold against the Arizona State defense and say that they're just a few plays away from being scored on to the tune of two, three touchdowns or anything like that. I think that it's a defense that is able to establish itself early and often in games, is able to pitch shutouts for three quarters, in each and every week, and that puts a lot of pressure on on the opponent, and really, this this Arizona State defense, quite frankly, is just carrying the jockstrap of the offense, if you want to be really blunt about it. So, I think they should definitely be great, as an Arizona State fan, you have to be very thankful for what you're seeing right now from this group. Uh, some players to highlight, I think that the uh, Mandrake player of this week, uh, DJ Davidson, has really been the most consistent player on defense each of the first uh, two weeks of this 2019 season. Just last week against Sacramento State, he totaled five tackles, two and a half for a loss, one and a half sacks. And for a player that the Arizona State coaches have been raving about the entire offseason, on uh, how well. Davidson has looked in off-season workouts and whatnot, we're really seeing that those praises definitely are being backed up by the play of the uh, sophomore who some think is actually a better, more athletic version than Ronell Wren, last year's outgoing senior who right now is on the 53-man roster of the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I think that's definitely a comforting thought for the Arizona state coaching staff. Needless to say that in the three, three, five scheme, if you don't have a nose tackle playing at a very high level, that can definitely hinder a defensive line that really relies on a nose tackle to be occupying two blockers on each and every snap opening the door for linebackers and maybe sometimes even defensive backs behind them to make plays and DJ Davidson has uh, played that role Very very well and the Arizona State defense is is only better for it Some other players that really have caught my after the first two weeks uh, Tillman safety Evan Fields Who is really? Taking full advantage of his opportunity That he realized in preseason practices, when the presumed starter, senior Tyler Wiley, was out uh, due to an illness, and even then he was splitting snaps. It seemed very evenly with Evan Fields. And right now, Evan Fields simply is playing better than Tyler Wiley. Uh, uh, anybody that watched the game uh, in person or after the fact know that Tyler Wiley gave up uh, a the, the lone touchdown to uh, to Sacramento State. So I'm not saying that's puts him in the doghouse, if you will, but uh, definitely does increase his chances of playing more snaps than him fields is playing uh, right now. So that's another player that I think is a huge part of the success of this Arizona state defense right now. Uh, Chase Lucas led Arizona state with seven solo tackles against Sacramento state. And it definitely wasn't an easy night for Lucas and the rest of the defensive backs because Arizona state, effectively shut down the running game for the Hornets last Friday and regulated the visitors to basically pass on each and every down, which you figure that some plays are going to be made just by the simple law of percentages. But uh, somebody like uh, Chase Lucas really made sure that the secondary was not getting burned time and time again by a Sacramento State offense that in their own season opener scored 77 points, featured a very prolific passing game, and that uh, same passing game was absolutely neutralized by players uh, like like Chase Lucas. So really, when it comes to the Arizona State uh, defense, there's not a whole lot to complain about. Again, I know that you can be overly critical and look at the Breakdowns that are taking place in the latter stages of the game, where Arizona State is giving up that lone touchdown each and every week. But I think if you are the uh, Michigan State offense, an offense that has proven that it will struggle against a three-three-five scheme, it proved it ag- again against Arizona State last year, uh, scoring only thirteen points in Tempe. It proved it again in in the Spartan season opener against Tulsa. Another team that runs a 3-3-5 defense where the Michigan State offense really had to take its time to figure out uh, that scheme and be effective against it. So I'm expecting the Arizona State defense uh, not to make life uh, easy at all uh, for, for Michigan State. But the question is, how much support will it get from the offense? Because I think at the end of the day, that's also going to be a measure of success for this side of the ball for Arizona State. So when you talk about Jaden Daniels being under duress almost every snap just because this offensive line is not really adequately pass blocking or providing effective run support, I would say that this Arizona State defense is operating against a huge measure of pressure which uh, Danny Gonzalez, to his credit, did acknowledge uh, after the game against Sacramento State, and said, "Look, I mean, we know that we're dealing with a freshman quarterback and Jaden Daniels and a young offensive line that does cause us to be really more under the gun and more under the microscope to be near perfect and, f- and near flawless on each and every snap, just because the margin of error is so small. And so far, this Arizona State defense really hasn't buckled under that pressure." And as the level of competition increases from week to week, we'll see if the Arizona State defense can still keep that level of play as high as high as it is right now. Arizona State is second in run defense in the Pac-12 at 81 yards, and third in pass defense in the conference at 171.5 yards. Those are numbers you can definitely w- live with the rest of the season. Obviously, it would be hard to keep that high level standard. But if you're an Arizona State fan, you don't have to make any apologies for the defense being dominant against the weakest opponents it's going to face on its schedule. You obviously hope that uh, the you hope that the offense would in turn show the high level of disparity between their talent and opposing defenses, and that hasn't happened yet, obviously. But on the other side of the ball, uh, the Arizona State defense has really turned in the massive talent gap that existed in the first two weeks into really, really impressive numbers on the stat sheet and on the scoreboard. And while you expected the Arizona State defense to really play at the high level it's playing these days, the special teams unit is one that, I don't know if you had high or low expectations, maybe just filed under... No opinion in terms of 2019 prospects, but this is a group that has really, in their own way, helped a struggling offense by having backup place kicker Christians Andeas, who has played the first two games for the injured starter Brandon Reese, and has connected on all seven of his field goal attempts, and. Let's not forget that deep into the fourth quarter of last week's contest versus Sacramento State, ASU led 12-7, to and that was thanks to the four field goals made by Zendaya, which were the most since the 2016 season where then Lou Groza awards Zayn Gonzalez connected on four field goals uh, in another victory that was way too close to comfort on the road at uh, Texas San Antonio. So Zendaya's for his exploits, earned Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week. And for the first time in a long time, Arizona State had back-to-back Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week because in Week 1, it's punter Michael Turk not only won the award, but also set an NCAA record with 63-yard average on his punts. And that is to say that he leads all FBS punters right now in that category. So as much as we talk about the Arizona State defense playing as well as it has the first two weeks, you definitely have to give partial credit to Turk, who has put that defense in great field position and going back to Zendayas uh, really helping a struggling offense that has only scored four touchdowns in the first two games and really needed its place kicker to come through and be perfect on all of his field goal attempts and that's exactly what Zendayas has been delivering so I know there's an old uh, football cliche saying that you're only as good as your backup quarterback, but in Arizona State's case, maybe you're only as good as your backup place kicker. In the Sun Devils' case, this is uh, definitely uh, a strength for for this team and, and one that needed to rely on probably more than anybody else expected, but nonetheless has been coming up huge for Arizona State so far this season. Now, not everything was really peaches and cream when it came to the special teams play, especially in week one, where Arizona State's coverage team struggled uh, quite a bit. Uh, Josh Plaster, the uh, kickoff man for the Sun Devils, also playing for the uh, injured uh, Brandon Reese, had uh, seven kickoffs in the season opener against Kent State. None of them went for touchbacks as a result. The uh, Golden Flashes had 143 yards of kickoff return. Uh, Also, as well as Turk punted the ball that night, they had uh, 25 yards of punt return. But when you look at the theory that players do improve the most from week one to week two, I think when it comes to the coverage teams, that definitely was true to form. Uh, Josh Plaster had uh, three of his six kickoffs go for touchbacks. And the visitors from Sacramento only had 31 yards total of kick return, had zero yards of punt return. So credit Sean Slocum in that unit really uh, showing up their own shortcomings from week one uh, to week two. Also in the punt return department, uh, Brennan Ayuk had a 38-yard punt return against... Sacramento State uh, last week. So uh, that was also uh, an encouraging sign for uh, Arizona State. And you really can't overstate the fact that the Sun Devils are operating with such a small margin of error on offense that every little bit helps. And that not only goes true for the defense, but also for special teams. And the improvement that you saw from that unit in week two may be a sign that if ASU needed to call upon that group to make a big play to either preserve a close win or help the team eke out a close victory that the special teams unit would definitely be up to the task. And I know that uh, there were a lot of close wins and close losses for that matter for Arizona state in 2018. And who knows if that trend doesn't continue this year, So to have special teams step up their play can, in theory, maybe turn some of those close losses into narrow wins for Arizona State. And that would be, I guess, the icing on the cake with the special teams improvement that we're seeing so far in this young 2019 season. So let's take a look at Arizona State's first road game of the year. And honestly, aside from the Utah game, probably the most challenging contest the Sun Devils are going to have on the road as they face Michigan State Saturday afternoon in East Lansing. Michigan State, much like the Sun Devils, also have a 2-0 record. Much like Arizona State did struggle some in week one, But unlike their opponent, the Spartans definitely showed the improvement you wanted to see in Week 2. And from a confidence standpoint, there's no doubt in anyone's mind, I don't think, that Michigan State, especially being at home, is entering this Saturday game with much higher level of confidence than Arizona State is. We're going to have a lot of preview uh, pieces all throughout the week on our front page at devilsdigest.com. So I definitely encourage you to uh, check them out. And one preview piece we already have up there is um, an article, which I'm sure some of you are familiar with our format called uh, Know Your Foe, where we invite an insider of the opponent that Arizona State faces this week to give uh, their perspective on what Arizona State fans can expect from the upcoming uh, matchup. And uh, we invited uh, Spartan Mags, associate editor, uh, Paul Kondike to answer our subscribers questions about Michigan state and have him offer perspective of uh, what the state of the program is right now in East Lansing. And I thought that he had some great uh, detail uh, to share with us. So I would definitely uh, encourage you if you're not a premium subscriber uh, to sign up today for, a premium subscription at Devil's Digest, and you can read uh, that article and a lot of other premium uh, content that we're going to have this week and obviously the rest of the 2019 season. So interesting uh, to uh, see that Michigan State not only struggled with the 3-3-5 scheme last year when they played here in Tempe, but also when they faced Tulsa the first week of the season and facing that same exact defensive scheme that uh, Michigan State definitely uh, was not able to be as effective as they were just because of the defensive system that they were facing. So curious to see if uh, Arizona State can be that uh, kryptonite once again for the Michigan State offense. But on the other side of the ball, uh, Arizona State, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, is facing the best rushing defense in the country, a group that opponents were able to muster combined minus six rushing yards against Michigan State after first two weeks of the season. And for Arizona State, really to have any measure of success, they definitely will have to present a balanced offense. And that's something they were not able to do last year in Tempe, and I doubt they can do so in East Lansing this coming Saturday. Michigan State's uh, defensive line is from top to bottom, not only not only one of the best in the Big Ten, but perhaps one of the best uh, in the country. And it's not a only one-trick pony that can just stop the run, but is definitely very capable in pass rush as well. I mean, you look at Arizona State's existing issues on the offensive line. I mean, you look at a true freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels encountering his first uh, road game ever on this level, going into a pretty hostile uh, environment in East Lansing. Those are all parameters that definitely give you a good deal of apprehension as to what Arizona State can really accomplish uh, this week. And again, with all the issues that they manifested on offense, how well can they really perform against Michigan State on the road uh, this weekend. I think it's really going to come down to Arizona State's defense and special teams, much like the first two weeks of the season, really bailing out the offense. The question is how much can those two units withstand not getting that much support from the Arizona State offense because I'm not saying it's out of the question that Arizona State Offense will experience some kind of turnaround at some juncture of the 2019 season. I just kind of doubt that this week at Michigan State will mark that turnaround now for this group. I'm not one that's into moral victories, and I'm definitely not expecting anybody listening to this podcast to be one to celebrate such an achievement, if you can call it an achievement, but it is definitely going to be important to see Arizona State, again, more on offense compared to defense and special teams to show some signs of improvement, to show that there is hope that they can really get over the hump and just play at a more effective level. And as mentioned earlier, and I know it's stating the obvious, just to have the offensive line play at a higher level, really work out all the kinks it has to work out, have those young guys perhaps grow up in quite a bit of hurry to really better that unit and positively affect the rest of uh, the, the ASU offense. But even if this game does result in a loss to the Sun Devils, you have to, at the end of the day, some way, somehow feel good about what you've seen to have hope for games against Colorado and Cal the rest of the month and something I mentioned during the preseason is that if Arizona State has any hope in at minimum matching the seven wins it achieved last year in 2018 it has to come out out of the month of September, four and one, with that loss being to uh, Michigan State. Because right now you're not looking at Arizona State with a great measure of hope that they can truly turn the corner, that they can truly better themselves over 2018. But if you're going to sit here in the at the end of September with a 4-1, rec- 4-1 record. And a loss to Michigan State, and an overall 4-1 record, means that Arizona State started Pac-12 play with a 2-0 mark. So if all that were to happen, I think you're just looking at this team with a total different perspective and maybe also viewing two very luck-luster performances against Kent State and Sacramento State, As a necessary evil, if you will, to better yourself as a team and improve as the month of September progresses. So if that can be achieved by Arizona State, then those games which were supposed to be blowout wins for Arizona State and not reveal a plethora of shortcomings as they did, maybe just serve their purpose as... Maybe you can call it a wake-up call or just really forcing the coaches to take dramatic yet effective measures early on in the season to uh, right this ship. So the Michigan State game, I don't know if I would call it a true litmus test for Arizona State, but at the same time, this team has to exhibit some kind of measure of development, some kind of measure of progress. And and again, I'm really talking, obviously, more about the offense, but also making sure that the defense and the special teams, again, encountering an opponent that is a few good levels, to say the least, better than what they've so, seen in Week 1 and Week 2, to make sure that as the level of competition increases, that their level of performance can increase As a result, this is an Arizona State defense that has proven that they can stop a pretty formidable Michigan State ground attack and definitely has a scheme that can frustrate Michigan State's passing game. This is a Michigan State team that is susceptible to big kickoff and punt returns, and Arizona State definitely is capable of doing some damage in that area. So, those are some of the aspects that have to go well. For Arizona State in the hopes that the offense can show some kind of signs of progress from week one and week two going into this extremely challenging game in week three. As the week progresses, I'll delve into more of my prediction and keys to the game, but this is just a quick overview of this uh, Michigan State contest. And more importantly, what it can mean in the grand scheme of things, even in the event that Arizona State will lose this contest. At the end of the day, while every coach in that locker room obviously just wants to see Arizona State first and foremost win, if they do come up on the short end of this game, you just want to see game film that gives you more hope, that shows that any changes you made schematically, that any approaches you took from a mental perspective with, with his players did show some measure of success. Because if you're going out there in week three against a very good Michigan State team, which is ranked number 19 as, as we speak right now, and are not playing better than you did against much inferior opponents than it definitely can be a long season for Arizona State. But if you are able to show progress and show development at a satisfactory rate, if not more than that, then I think that your approach for the entire season and your outlook for the rest of 2019 will be a whole lot different. So myself and uh, Jordan Kay, my senior staff writer, are going to be there in East Lansing uh, this weekend, so we definitely encourage you to Follow our coverage uh, from there on Saturday and, and be on the lookout for our various preview pieces ahead of this contest all week long on our website, com. Thanks so much for tuning in for this episode of the Devils Junkies podcast. Enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we will talk to you after the Michigan State game.
1: I was living in a devil town.
0: I didn't
1: know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the Devil Town All my friends were vampires Didn't know they were vampires Turns out I was a vampire myself in the Devil Town